Hey, church, how we doing, everybody? You good? That was not convincing. That was not convincing, all right? Um, why don't you just turn to someone and say, hey, I, I like sitting next to you. Just turn to someone and say, I like sitting next to you. And now we feel better. And how are we doing, everybody? See, there's just so much. Isn't that just, it's the power of encouragement. It's literally putting last week's sermon into practice, all right? So uh, it's awesome. I want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who's watching right now online. And, of course, everybody who's over at that south side, south campus, south campus. We love you. We love you there. We love you here. We love you everywhere. And the best way we can show you is by clapping for you. So come on. Will you put your hands together for that person sitting next to you? All right, well, hey, I just want to take a minute. I want to encourage you. Make sure you are here next weekend for Father's Day. It is going to be so much fun. Car show. We have some fun stuff happening during the services and encouraging word. We're going to have some pork grinds, flavored pork grinds. I didn't even know there was such a thing. But they, like, homemade custom pork rinds. Then all kinds of flavors. We'll have some cinnamon. We'll have some pizza. We'll have some sweet barbecue. Come on, Kansas City. You know what's up. Like, it is going to be amazing. So make sure you take a moment and invite your friends. Invite someone who doesn't know God, who doesn't go to church. We're going to have a powerful time. It could be a great opportunity to help someone find and follow Jesus. If you believe it, say, I do. I really do as well. Um, and uh, so invite someone. We can't wait for uh, Father's Day. It's going to be powerful. Um, all right. Well, hey, we are in a series called Be Wise that we've been focusing on the last several weeks. We've been talking about wisdom, how important wisdom is, how important it is to have wisdom. And the reason it's important to have wisdom is because we make decisions each and every day and not just a few of them. We make a lot of them. We talked about this last week, but... The average person makes 35,000 decisions a day. Everybody say, that's a lot. Come on, everybody say, that's a lot. That's a lot. We like, we like group participation here at Summer Park Church. So uh, whenever I say, hey, say that, we like to just to say it, all right? If you can, if you don't mind, just jumping in. So everybody say, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot of decisions. And some of these decisions are easy, and some of them are are really, really challenging. Some of them, there is a right answer. Some of them, there is a wrong answer. And then a lot of decisions, there is, you could decide. It, it's not necessarily right or wrong. It's, it's, it's good or best. And in those decisions, like a multiple choice test, you know, taken back in school, when it's choose the best answer, you know, which one of these is the most true? Hated those tests. Can I get an amen? Like the worst but can we be honest? That's pretty much life. Like life is constant, multiple choice, which is the best answer type of stuff. So what do we do when that's the, the case? What do we do when we're experiencing that? Well, that's where wisdom comes in, all right? And that's what we're talking about. Wisdom is the answer to choosing the best for our life. And here's the working definition we're using. We're using this as wisdom is knowing what to do, how to do, when to do, and doing it, okay? So wisdom helps us to know what to do, how to do, when to do, and then wisdom ultimately is, is completely fulfilled when we apply it. And that's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. And we're looking primarily at this book called Proverbs. It's in the Bible, it's in the Old Testament, and it's written by this guy named King Solomon, wisest person to ever live, one of the wealthiest persons to ever live. Even to this day, his wealth would stand up 
to some of the richest, person, to p- richest people in the world. And the way he got there is God came to him in a dream and said, hey, you're about to be king, what do you want? And instead of asking for money, instead of asking for palaces, instead of asking for a bunch of land, he asked for wisdom. And God said, I'm going to give you wisdom, and I'm going to give you all of the other stuff too. And so he really serves as a great person to learn from. But here's the crazy thing about Solomon. Solomon gets all of this wisdom, but then he doesn't apply it. So he has all this wisdom. He knows what to do, when to do, how to do, but he doesn't do it. He actually does the opposite of it for a good portion of his life. That's the book of Ecclesiastes, all right? And it's not like the most encouraging thing that you've ever read in your life, you know, so don't read it if you're not in a good place, all right? Don't spend some time in a dark room with Ecclesiastes if you're not feeling good. It's not, enc- it's not encouraging. Basically says life's meaningless over and over and over again. But it's, but it's him showing how much he didn't apply his wisdom. So here's the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is, is Solomon saying, listen, I've had wisdom. I've gone against wisdom. The best place is wisdom. Where you want to be is wisdom. And so that's what the book of Proverbs is. It's, it's Solomon writing to his son saying more than an inheritance, more than riches, more than, than a lot of stuff. The best thing I can give you is wisdom, and that's the book of Proverbs. So we've been looking at Proverbs. We've been looking at how it speaks to all kinds of aspects of our lives. It speaks to uh, friendships, relationships. It speaks to words. We talked about how the power of our words last week is really, really important and choosing words wisely. And so hopefully this past week, we've been choosing better words. And we're growing in that. And so if you've missed any of the messages so far, I want to encourage you to go online, check it out, summitparkchurch.com. You can go on our app. You can listen. You can watch. They will encourage you. Now we are going to be talking about finances. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. We're talking about money today, everybody, and how to handle our finances. Now here's the deal. When you read the book of Proverbs, you're going to see Solomon talks about money a lot. He talks about it a lot. It's hard to get through one chapter without him making some reference to how we handle our money. Now, let's be honest, that's really important because money is something we interact with all the time. Quick survey at both the North and South Campus. How many of you this week have spent some money? Just raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. If you spent some money, look at this, unanimous. All of us are spending money. How many of you have overspent some money this week? Okay, like some of you are like, oh, God help me. Like Amazon packages. I get all those emails, so I keep track. Sometimes I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> you know, what are we doing? Um, it's easy. It's never been easier to spend money, right? It is, you, can, you don't even have to move. You just have to open your phone and click. So, you know, I mean, it has never been easier to buy stuff. Um, maybe this week you bought a latte. Come on, any coffee fans out there? You bought a latte or two or six or 12. How many of those lattes are getting expensive? It's like eight bucks. You know, it just adds up so quickly. Or you buy a latte or maybe you, you know, you, you stop by the Golden Arches. Anybody you're driving by and that smell just wafts over as you're driving. You're like, oh, all right, I'll take, I'll take one of everything. You know, just give it to me. Just give, take my money. <laughs> you know, just like McDonald's take my, or Chick-fil-A. Come on, somebody, you know, like. Like, you just can't drive by. Like, the car just pulls right in, and, you know, there's 100 people in line, and somehow they get you through in 10 minutes. It's amazing. Surely the Lord is with them. Um, 
Um, or maybe you paid some bills this week. That's always a good time, right? In fact, how many of you know, like, money really affects the way we are? Like, it really affects the way we are. Like, have you ever got an unexpected bill in the mail? Anybody ever had that fun moment happen? Or you got it, and it was a whole lot more than you thought, and you're just like, you open, you're like, what in the, did you know about this? Did you know what is going on here? This is all our lives are ruined. We have to sell stuff. We have to sell our furniture. We're going to have to sell our kids. I'm sorry. See you later. Like, this is not good. You know, you get that unexpected bill. It can, it can, let's be honest, it can really ruin your day, right? Can we just be honest? You get something like that, it can ruin your day. But how many of you know, have you ever got an unexpected check in the mail? Yeah, somebody, you feeling good then, right? You get that unexpected check, you open it up, you're like, oh, did you know about this? You're like, this is amazing. 50 bucks from Geico. Thank you, Lord, and thank you, Gecko Geico. We eating at Martin City Pizza tonight. You know, like, you feeling good. You feeling good. It affects the way we are. Money is a big deal, and we need wisdom with it. We need wisdom with how we manage our money. And that's why Solomon takes so much time in the book of Proverbs talking about finances. It's a really important thing. And, he, and again, he's constantly comparing the wise person with the foolish person. Okay, that's the book of Proverbs. So the wise person saves their money. The foolish person wastes their money. The wise person invests appropriately. The foolish person invests poorly. The, the wise person keeps tabs on their finances. The foolish person just ignores it. And he walks us through why it is important to, to pay attention to our finances. And so the wise person versus the foolish person. Now, let me just give you upfront full disclosure. I am not a financial planner or the son of a financial planner, okay? So I, that's not me. I don't have all of the financial answers. I'm not even going to try, but the Bible is full of good stuff on this. And although I'm not a son of a financial planner, I am a son of a dad who did manage his money well. And he taught me a lot about that. And when I see Proverbs, I see it line up. He, he didn't spend a lot. He saved a lot. And he worked really hard. And that's the book of Proverbs. And so, like, he, he taught me all this. Hey, spend less than you make. Like, just basic principles. Like, they're, they're just basic things. And that really helped me. And then my pastor also did that. So my dad laid a foundation. And then my pastor... Uh, this, uh, did that as well when I was on staff at James River. He taught us, hey, listen, watch the budget. Make sure you're, you're spending less than you have. Always have more at the end of the year. And, 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 and those principles have guided the way that I've spent my money and certainly led the church, which, let me just say this, is actually the chickens are coming home to roost on that because we're getting ready to borrow money to finish out our space, our new home, everybody. Uh, our brand new home uh, over on Oldham Parkway. And uh, we're getting ready to borrow money to uh, make a great space there. And the banks are like, take our money. Because the reason, the reason they are is because we have always had a positive cash position. Every month of every year we've been in existence as a church. Yeah, it's really amazing. That's really amazing. Praise God. But here, and, and here's the deal. I was thinking about that this week. I'm not saying, I'm just glorifying the Lord. But they are like, here's, the, here's a great rate. Take this money. And the reason they are is, is it's hukmah. 
We've been talking about this idea of Hagmah, right? Where, where wisdom is woven all throughout creation. And when you go with wisdom, it goes well for you. When you go against wisdom, it goes poorly for you. That's what wisdom is all about. And that's what Solomon is trying to get us to understand. When we manage our money well, it goes best for us. It goes, it's just generally, not, not perfectly, not always, but generally speaking, you will have less money problems when you apply the wisdom of Proverbs, okay? And so that's what we're talking about, and we're looking at, at the Proverbs uh, uh, on finances. And there's a ton of them. There are a ton of Proverbs on finances. Now, as soon as I start talking about money, some of you are like, oh, no, here we go. It's church. They're talking about money. Grab your wallet. Hold on tight, you know, because they're going to take an offering. We've already taken the offering. We're not going to take another offering, all right? Um, but I, I, I want to I encourage you with this because there's, there's, varying, there's varying opinions on this in Christianity. And so some people, some teaching in Christianity, if you've noticed, will tell you, God wants you to be rich. God wants you to drive Rolls Royces. Like there's, a, there's teaching like this in Christianity. And then there's some teaching that says, no, God wants you to be poor. Jesus was poor. Paul was poor. Mary was poor. God wants you to be poor. And so you hear this and you're like, what is it? Proverbs really helps bring some centering to that and some balance to all of that. And the reality I believe is this. God wants us to be blessed. He just doesn't want us to be all about the blessing. God knows that we need to have money. He just doesn't want our money to have us. Do you know what that means when, when your money has you? Like when you're all about it, you're thinking all about it. Like you, every day, you're checking the account all throughout the day. You can't stop looking at it. You're obsessing over it. Every decision you make is about how much does this cost, and, and it's just weighing on you constantly. When your money has you, God wants you to have money. He just doesn't want your money to have you. He wants you to be wise. Wisdom knows the importance of money. Foolishness says money is the most important thing. Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at four different things. There's so much we could cover, but I want to give you four principles from Proverbs on your finances that will help you have better financial planning. The first one is this. Money is a gift. Second, money isn't everything. Third, money is a tool to bless others. And then money is a way to honor God and advance his kingdom. This is good stuff. Good stuff. Money is a gift. Money isn't everything. Money is a tool to bless others. And it's a way to honor God and advance his kingdom. Now, here's, here's what I want for all of us. I want us to walk away better financial planners and spenders and savers today in the name of Jesus with the help of the scriptures, all right? So we're going to jump into this. We're going to learn how to do this better. Before we do, why don't you just ask a person, ask three people real quick, say, hey, can I borrow five bucks just in case they take an offering? Just ask three people, hey, can I borrow five bucks just in case they pass those buckets? <laughs> all right, we're not going to take an offering. <laughs> um, Okay, first of all, money is a gift. It's a gift. It's important to understand that what we have ultimately is on loan from God as a blessing to us and for us. It's a gift. And it's not to be despised. It's not to be despised. It really, it really isn't. In fact, Proverbs talks a lot about how having money is actually a helpful thing. 
It's actually a helpful thing. Look at this, Proverbs 10, 15. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. So it's like it actually can put up some security, can put up some, some, some boundaries, it can put up some, some safety, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. Like, so like if you're poor, like it could be, like be a bad thing for you. The, Proverbs 14, the poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. Proverbs 19.4, wealth attracts many friends, but even the closest friend of the poor deserts him. Some of you are like, Scott, that is very discouraging scriptures to start a sermon off with. You know what it's saying? Is money's not all that bad. It's not that bad. It's not something like to be despised. It's not something to be cursed. It's something to understand that it is from God to bless us with. Money is a blessing from God. And it's important to understand that it comes from God. James chapter 1 says this, every good and perfect gift. Everybody say every Every good and perfect gift, that's everything you and I have, is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Everything we have is from the Lord. God gives it to us. God blesses us with it. It is a gift. So because it's a gift, what we want to do is we want to treat it with respect. We want to treat it with respect. So like if someone gives you something really nice, like, the best thing you can do is be like, oh, thank you. This is so nice. Like, oh, this is such a, I'm going to put this up on my shelf. I'm going to dust it. I'm going to take care of it. Or if it's something that you actually use, to use it, to steward it, to take care of it. The worst thing you can do if someone gives you a gift is take it and throw it away. It's like, oh, that's great. I, I already have one. I'm throwing it away. Like, that's, you know, that's not honoring the gift. You want to treat it with respect. And because of that, Proverbs keys in on stewarding the gift in two main ways. Two main ways both our saving and our spending, okay? First of all, saving is good. Can I get an amen on that? That's just pretty basic. Saving is good. Look at what it says in Proverbs 21. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulps their down. <laughs> I can't even say this. But fools gulp theirs down. Now, did I say that right? The fools gulp their, I, oh my gosh, that is a tricky phrase. Fools Gulp theirs down. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. We got it done. We got it right. Is that right? Okay. And as soon as I hear that, I think about, you know, 7-Eleven, right? You know, you think about a big gulp. You know, anybody else? You know, 7-Eleven, giant big gulp. You think, oh, man, a 64-ouncer, you know, suicides. You know, you get all of them in there. That's just the best, you know. And you just think about, like, that's the fool. The fool's person like, oh, as soon as I get it, I'm filling it up, and I'm gulping it down. The wise person says, no, I'm going to get the eight ounce, and I'm going to drink some of it. I'm going to save the rest for later. Like, that's what it's talking about. Wise people store stuff up. The fool consumes all that he has. Proverbs 6, 6, 8. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. It doesn't even have someone telling it what to do. It just knows if I want to eat during the winter, I'm going to have to save during the summer. That's what it's saying. It's saying, hey, be, be aware that you need to be ready for the day of uncertainty. Don't, don't, live, don't live with your margins too thin. And you have a choice to do that. You can put yourself in a position to do that. Proverbs 27, again, that's primarily speaking to a shepherding community, so you're going to have to track with the analogy here. It says, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Be careful attention, or give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, 
And a crown is not secure for all generations. Just because you have it now doesn't mean you're going to have it tomorrow. Don't make that mistake. Don't think just because you've always had it, you're always going to have it. He says, when the hay is removed and new growth appears and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing and the goats with the price of a field. You will have plenty of goat's milk to feed your family and to nourish your female servants. Some of you are like, what in the world? (laughs) Okay, so what's this saying? He's saying, hey, watch your donkeys. Because your donkeys have a tendency to run off. And if you get too busy doing other things, you're going to look around, your donkeys will be gone. And then you're not going to have anything to feed yourself when the winter comes. It says, pay attention to your finances. Save for the day when it might not be as good as it is today. That's a good word. Amen, Scott. Thank you. Keep preaching, Scott. Okay. Saving is good. That's what he says. Debt is bad. Debt is bad. Just generally speaking, is he say, I'm going to read this verse, Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. So is he saying that all debt is, is terrible and immoral and to be avoided? No, again, these are general principles. He's, sending, he's saying, as a general rule, don't live in a bunch of debt because it will limit the freedom that you have. And this is really important for us because, again, it's never been easier to spend money. Now, I was just, I was just telling Jen about this. Um, uh, Apple Pay, like on your phone, like it's becoming more and more like accessible. Where you, don't have to take, you don't have to take out your wallet when you're out of place anymore. Like it's just so amazing. You just double click and scan and move on. It's incredible. It's amazing. And it's also really dangerous. Because we, we can spend a lot of money. You can rack up credit card debt. Let me just say this, credit card debt is really, really bad, and we should avoid it, and you should not, you should not have a revolving balance. You should pay that down as fast as you can, and you need to get your spending under control so that you can do that. It, it, you, have, you have an ability to do that, and Solomon is saying, hey, listen, debt is not a good thing. Slow your roll, okay? <laughs> Slow your roll and save more. All right, so that's understanding money is a gift. But money isn't everything. Money isn't everything. And that's really important because we have to remind ourselves that it's not all that there is. It's a big deal, but it's not the biggest deal, right? Proverbs eleven twenty eight says this, those who trust in their riches will fall. That word trust is I'm putting my hope in, I'm putting my security in, I'm putting my confidence in. Those who trust in their riches will fall but the righteous will thrive. You put your confidence in money, you're going to fall. You put your confidence in God, you're going to thrive. Money isn't the problem. The love of money is the problem. It's when you make money your everything because it can't save you. Look at Proverbs 11, 4. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. When you stand before God, God's like, hey, were you right with me? Did you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You're not going to be able to like, oh, here, here's $200, God. Yeah, can I put this towards, you know, my sin payment? He, that doesn't work. He's like, righteousness delivers from death. Money can't save your soul. Only God can. So make God your everything. Make God your everything. And this, this has everything to do with your focus. What are you focused on? Proverbs 23, 5. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. 
for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Have you ever watched that happen in your account? You're like, where is the money going? At the beginning of the week, we were doing so good. You know, what happened? It just flies away. How many of you know money just flies off? You know what he's saying here? The more you look at money, the more you see how fleeting it truly is. And that it doesn't satisfy, and it doesn't sustain, and it is not your identity. But the more you look at God, the more you see that he is your supply, that he is your security, that he is your identity. Look at Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So money, it's not everything. And here's the thing. It can distract you from really important things. Like the more money you have, the more stuff you have, typically you spend stuff, you get stuff, you get a boat, you get a house, get a, get a lake a cabin uh, you know, out of the lake and get a couple cars and you got more stuff, you have more stuff to manage. Look what Proverbs 14 says, without oxen, a stable stays clean. Now, do I need to break that down for you guys? I explain what that's talking about. If you don't have an ox, you don't have a mess. Now, oxes are, you know, oxen are great. Like, it's helpful to have an ox. But if you don't have an ox, you don't have a mess. The more stuff you have, the more mess you have. Biggie was right, y'all. Mo money, mo problems. It's true. It's true. And money can, can keep you so busy managing unimportant things that you miss out on the most important things. Your walk with God, your health, your family, you're worried so much about stuff that you miss out on significance. And that's what, that's what Solomon's trying to keep us from doing. Uh, and then it also can get us pretending, right? Money can keep us pretending. Look what Proverbs 12 says. Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. <laughs> that is such a good one. You've seen that before, haven't you, right? Proverbs 13, 7, one person pretends to be rich yet has nothing, and another pretends to be poor yet has great wealth. Do you know what this comes from? It comes from the old adage of keeping up with the Joneses, right? Or the Smiths or the Wilsons or keeping up with the Kardashians. You're keeping up with somebody, okay? You're trying to keep, I thought that was funny. It's funnier when I wrote it, I, but apparently it's not. Both services just flat. It's okay. I thought maybe the 1030 would, uh, it's all right. Um, it's keeping up with that family that just got something that you really want, right? Oh, man, they got another car. Oh, you look at your car. My car stinks. I'm a loser. Or they got, they got a new kitchen remodel or next door. Man, they just, you know, or that person at work, you know, they're always talking about the new toy they have or that girl at work. She's always showing up in an outfit like it's brand new. She never wears the same thing twice. And you're looking at your office saying, oh, I'm nothing. Keeping up with the Joneses. We, we like to pretend. That's what Solomon's talking about. My daughter, Eden, she's, um, she's three. She loves dressing up like Elsa. And all the Disney princesses is so cute. She dresses up like Elsa, and she walks around, and she wants her hair, like, to the side, you know, like this. We even have, like, a, because we got so sick of doing it, we just bought, like, one of these clip-on things. You just stick right there, and it just kind of hangs there. All right, you're Elsa, you know. And, uh, and she walks around, and she starts going, ice powers, 
ice powers, <laughs> ice powers. And so, you know, she'd come up to me, she'd be ice powers. I go, ah, you know, I'll freeze. She's pretending it's really cute. She's three. Some people are 33, and they're still pretending to be something that they're not. This is a problem. And you know what ends up happening? We buy things we can't afford to impress people we don't even really like. That's the trap of finances. And it's such a pointless game, isn't it? Because we can't ever keep up with the Joneses. Because once you keep up with one set of Joneses, how many know there's going to be another set of Joneses? You're like, oh, yeah, what, what about them? And then once you get there, it's like, oh, what about them? Have you noticed this in your life? If you keep up with the Joneses, or if you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, you will never keep up with the Joneses, and you will always find yourself discontent and discouraged, pretending. He says, don't do that, because it's not all about this. So money is a gift. It's not everything, but what it can be is a tool to bless others. Look at this. Money is a tool to bless others. For, Proverbs 14, verse 21. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. There's a blessing in just looking for needs and meeting needs. Proverbs 14, 31 says, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. You show contempt for their God. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. So Proverbs says one of the best things we can do with our money is to give it away to people who are in need, to bless others. In fact, it's one of the most pure ways we demonstrate our faith. Look what James 1 says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep some, oneself from being polluted by the world. He's like, hey, listen. One of the best ways and one of the purest ways you show that you're really in this, that this God thing has really gotten to you, is by blessing other people. It's literally putting your money where your faith is. Is this real? Is there a God who sent his son to die and unify and connect us back with him? And does, is he trying to bring as many people back to him as possible? Is any of that real? then what we can do is use what we have to bless others and point them back to him. That's the power of our finances. You'd be like, oh, well, I'm, I'm a generous person. I'm not like Ebenezer Scrooge or something. And the question is, how do you know? Just look at your transaction report. Just look at your, where is your money going? Just pull up your bank account. You can do it right now on your phone. How much are you giving away? That's how you know how generous you are or if you aren't. Um, do you take care of the poor? Are you, are you, are you generous? You know, there's a, there's a spontaneous generosity that we have. Um, and it's just giving. It's just giving people uh, spontaneously. I try to do this. I've talked to you guys about this before. But, um, you know, like sometimes you go to a store and they ask you, do you want to round up? And you're like, no, I don't want to round up. I just want to buy something. I'm not here to round up. You know, have you ever had that, like, happen in your spirit? You're like, ah, no. And so I've tried to, like, I've seen that. Like, that's a stinginess that rises up. So I've tried to challenge that. Um, I've tried to challenge that a little bit. And, and say, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to be stingy. So every time they ask me to, if I want to round up, I just say, yeah, I want to round up. I want to round up. 
And, uh, and so, you know, now I want to make sure I know what the cause is, you know, and I want to just give it a, any cause. But I want to, if I know the cause, I'm like, yeah, it's a good cause. I want to round up. True story this week, I'm, I was buying something today. He's like, do you want to round up? And I was like, um, I was like, you know, I, I'm, yes. And then I accidentally hit like $1 instead of round up. I was like, oh, man. I was like, I'm preaching on generosity. I guess it's okay. You know, so like, true story. But that's how we got to keep changing our heart. We got to keep changing our spirit to engage us so that we don't, that we don't become so close-fisted with our stuff that we live open-handed. Do you know you cannot have very much, but when you live generously, you will live with a joy. And yet you can have a lot, and if you live close-fisted, you won't have any. So he's like, hey, give what you have to bless others. And, then, and this is where it ultimately culminates. It's money is a way to honor God and advance his kingdom. Money is a way to honor God and advance his kingdom. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. So you're like, oh, here we go. Preacher going to talk to me about giving my money to the church. Well, I'm just reading some scriptures. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with the wealth, with your wealth, and with the first fruits of all your crops. First fruits. Saying the first thing that comes in, I'm going to give you my first. Why? Because I'm recognizing you are my supply. Then what will happen? Your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Throughout the Bible, God constantly encourages people to trust him, to trust him with what they have. And you say, well, is, is God just wanting my money kind of like a mafia boss, you know? You give me what you have and I'll put you under my protection. <laughs> is that really what God's after? God doesn't need your money. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. But where's your heart? Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You notice, notice it's like where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. Isn't that true? You, anybody invest in the stock market? You buy a stock, all of a sudden, like you didn't, someone's like, oh, you need to buy this stock. And all of a sudden, you had never heard of that stock before. You didn't care about that stock before yesterday. But then you get it and you buy it. And how many know you are very interested in that stock? You're like following it. You're tracking it. You're praying over it. You're like doing Jericho marches, just praying over that stock. Prayer walks. Praying that God will just bless that stock. Maybe you bought some Bitcoin when it was at its height. Now you're praying God will resurrect it like Jesus resurrected from the dead. Oh, God, touch Bitcoin in Jesus' name. You've never been more concerned about a currency that doesn't even exist. It's because your, your, your heart follows your treasure. God wants our heart. And the reality is money has this weird way of becoming our security and our identity. And the way we push against that is by trusting our money to God, the one who ultimately is our security and identity, right? God says, I want you to trust me. Every aspect of our faith is spiritual. Come in here, we sing songs, we pray, we read. It's abstract, it's spiritual. 
But when you give, it's tangible. You're putting your money where your faith is. It's real. It's substantial. And, and this is how we, we honor God and advance his kingdom. And this comes back to what do you believe in? Do you believe that what we are here to do is to know God, to seek him, and to advance his kingdom? Because if you do, we have a great opportunity to do that. And God has a systematic way of making sure it gets done, and it's called tithe. Malachi 3 says this, return to me. Apparently Israel had gone away from them, away from God. And he says, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? How do we show you that we're back in? He says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? God says, in tithes and offerings, you're holding back. He says, because of that, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. You're actually robbing me of the chance to bless you. Instead, verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, into the temple, into the place that you worship, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields and not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then check this out. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I love this. He says, he says test me. Do you know you should never test God? Like you should never test God, except for the one area that he invites you to test him. He says, Tess, I dare you. Just see if you can outgive me because you cannot. You cannot. And I can tell you this, I have experienced this time after time after time after time in my life. So now I just, I want to live open-handed. I want to be generous. I can't wait for kingdom builders. I can't wait for our giving campaign. I can't wait to see what God's going to do because he always comes through. And then we change the world. Not only do we experience church in the name of Jesus and great programs for our kids, but we bless the nations. I was thinking about this this morning, and uh, I, I texted our operations director, Jeremy. I was like, hey, how much, like, from the beginning of our church, seven and a half years, almost eight years, how much have we given to missions in seven and a half years? And he added it all up, and he sent me the number. It was this. $2,331,219. Isn't that awesome? Honestly, I had to do a double take. I was like, what? Now, we couldn't do that this year. That's like our whole operating budget this year. We couldn't do that this year. But you know what we could do? Every year, a little bit. Every month, a little bit. Every week, a little bit. And it adds up. And so my, my heart is, I can't wait. To, you know, when I'm, when I'm ready to be done pastoring this church and pass the torch on to the next person, just to think, how many lives did we change? How many missions projects did we start? How many kids in Africa got water because we gave? How much of a difference did we make? That's exciting to think about. To think about that my life wasn't just spent buying one more latte. It was, it was spent changing people's lives. And God will honor you for it. Proverbs 11, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. 
but a generous person will prosper and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You can know this as you live as a conduit to bless others, to honor God. God will see it and he will take care of you. You cannot outgive him. And it's all because he wants to take care of you. He wants to bless you. He wants to show the nations how awesome he is. Um, I was thinking about this uh, example. My son Cruz is more like his dad than his mom, unfortunately. It means he's selfish. He's more selfish. Like, it seems like the brunettes in our, our household are all, like, a little bit selfish, and the blondes are generous. I don't know if there's, like, a thing there. But my wife and Titus are generous, and <laughs> Cruz and Eden and me are more stingy. And so uh, we were at McDonald's, and I got some fries for him. He wanted some fries, so I got him some fries. And, of course, I do the food tax. You know, as I come in, I do a little food tax. I have to test it, make sure it's not poisonous. You know, so I test it as it comes in, and I hand it to the back. He's like, Dad, those are my fries. Those are my fries. And I just wanted to be like, not anymore, they're not. You know, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, no, they're not. You know, here's the reality. Who bought the fries? I did. And I'm giving them to him freely. And there's four realities that apply to us as well. Number one, I don't need his fries. You know, God doesn't need our money. Number two, I'm the one who gave him his fries. Number three, I could give him a lot more fries. Number four, I just want him to be generous with his fries. I don't want to be a stingy kid that doesn't share. That's what God's trying to do in our heart. He's trying to open us up so that we experience all that he has and all that he is. So I want to encourage you, you know, this week be praying. What does this mean for you? How are you going to partner with what God wants to do in your life and, um, and make a difference in others? Let's pray that he helps us. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. And we thank you for the message of Jesus. Thank you for the message of the gospel. Lord, we thank you that you have given us so much. We are so blessed. God, we want to be a conduit of that blessing. Pray that, Lord, you'd help us to manage our finances well, to honor you, to spend less than we make, to save, to avoid debt, to bless others, and to honor you and change the world. Let it happen. Let it happen, Lord. Help us. With every head bowed and every head closed, I just want to take a moment. The most important thing that we could do right now in this moment it's just do business with the Lord. And if you're here today, if you're at the South Campus, you're watching online, and you're listening to this, and God's speaking to you, maybe about your finances, but most importantly, about your life, about your soul. I just, I want to encourage you, if you have not made a decision to follow Jesus and give him your life, God does not, he does not want your money, but he wants your life. He wants your soul. He wants you to know him. He wants you to experience redemption, salvation, he wants you to experience what it is to walk with him and to, to know him. And if you are not following God, God wants to change you. He wants to do something inside of you, change you, transform you from the inside out. If you're here today and you're saying, man, I know you're speaking about money, but I feel like God's speaking to me about my soul. He is. He wants you to know him. 
He wants to change you. He wants to do great things in your life. And if you're here today and you're saying, man, this is speaking right to me, Scott, I need to make a decision, whether for the first time or for the first time in a long time, to follow God, to make Jesus Lord of my life. He's speaking to you. He wants you to know him. He's here. And he's drawing you home. If that's you and you're saying, man, this is speaking to me, Scott, I just I want to give my life to Christ for the first time or for the first time in a long time. I want to pray for you. I want to believe God to do something great in your life. If you're here, you're at the South Campus, you're watching online, would you just raise your hand and say, this is speaking right to me. I want to make a decision to follow Christ. Hands going up here. I see it. Let me just hold it up so I can pray for you. Yeah, it's awesome. At South Campus, watching online, I just want to pray. Father, I pray for every person who is making a decision to follow you. Father, I pray that you would do a powerful work in their hearts, a powerful work in their lives. Change them, transform them. Lord, I pray that they would find newness of life and that, God, you would do an eternal work in their hearts. And, Lord, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, church? I just want to take a moment, as we always do, and just do a little business with God and just say, Lord, we want you to take every aspect of our life. So would you just lift your hands right where you are? Lift your heart and say, God, I welcome you. I welcome you to have your way. I welcome you to have it all. Lord, to truly take my life and use it for your glory. Lord, I pray that you would do something powerful in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.